What's up, everybody? Brad here with Orange and Black Soccer Cast USL Championship Pacific Division Preview. So welcome to a lovely Tuesday night stream. Thank you guys for joining us as always. As I said before, this is our Pacific Division preview. We have a great show ahead of you over the next hour. Uh, we got a bunch of guests coming, and for some reason, Alan and Dylan and Ray let me have reins of this one. So without further of without further ado, let's get started on this one. Um, just a quick side note. Normally, we'd be talking about Orange County right now, but, you know, they had a preseason game over the weekend. It was a 5-0 to victory over Cal State Fullerton, uh, and we have a game coming up this weekend against Los Dos, another preseason match. I'm going to save those for next week so that we can talk about that in full for you guys. So, let's get started. Our first guest tonight is going to be Carson from Las Vegas Lights. Carson, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. It, I feel like the season kind of snuck up on us a little bit. It's we it kept felt like it was far away, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, less than two weeks, and here we are. Yeah, no, it's absolutely crazy. I'm I'm excited for it. You know, obviously Orange County has a little bit longer to wait for the season coming up because we start a little bit later. Um, but I got a couple questions to ask you, preview, and then give it to you the floor just to see what you have to add. You know, for Las Vegas Lights. Um, my first question for you. One thing that is uncertain right now is the current roster of the Las Vegas Lights with the only real announcements coming uh, with nine players on April 5th and then a goalie being announced earlier today. What are your thoughts on the initial 2021 Las Vegas Lights roster so far? Yeah, I think uncertain describes everything with the Lights right now. They it was one of those things where it was rumored for a while that, that it was going to be this affiliation with LAFC and then uh, then it became official. And then just having the nine players, I don't, I don't expect a ton more to be added to the roster. Obviously they'll fill it out a little bit, but um, I think it's going to be a lot of loanies from LAFC, LAFC's Academy, and, and they'll kind of flesh the roster out that way. But there's some interesting players. Um <laughs> It's kind of interesting just from a perspective. I know some of the fans here are a little frustrated. There's not actually like a team here, but uh, no, there's definitely some interesting guys. You mentioned the goalkeepers. Uh, one of them, had, um, Philip Ejimadu, was with LAFC the past couple of seasons. He went on loan, though. And then um, Duncan Turnbull is actually on loan from Portsmouth, which is interesting. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who ends up coming down for a lot of the matches with the lights and – I guess technically all of the players will be coming down because none of them will actually be living here. They'll all be living in LA. So, yeah. Um, I, I like that you mentioned that they're going to be living in LA. Um, 
I guess the whole joke that we've always had up here in Reno is uh, Las Vegas is a beautiful place to visit, not to live, which is ironic because my younger brother just moved there. Um, but you mentioned, you know, the relationship with uh, LAFC moving forward. Um, is this something that you think is only a 2021 thing or is this something that looks to be the case moving forward beyond that year too? It's hard to tell. Um I guess with the uncertainty leading into this season, I actually did an interview with the former lights goalkeeper, Thomas Olson, and he, he seemed to think that they would have almost preferred or expected not to have a season. And then this came about as kind of a last resort to keep the kind of keep the team afloat without having to, you know, spend a lot of money on salaries or anything. I, I have no clue um, of the validity of that. It sounds like it might be reasonable, but um, yeah, I, I would expect if it works out well for both parties, they might try to flesh it out and, and continue forward there, but I'm not really sure. All right. And one last question I have for you uh, before I turn over to you for any final thoughts. Um, you guys got a new coach. Uh, I'm going to totally plunder his name, but Steve Chirundolo. Steve Chirundolo. Steve Chirundolo. Uh, he comes to Vegas after a couple coaching stints with Hanover Stuttgart and German's youth national team. Is he a good hire for Las Vegas? Is he actually Las Vegas hire or is he a uh, LAFC hire? And I, I, being I think assigned? he's uh, technically a Las Vegas hire, but obviously LAFC I think was, was instrumental in that. I think he's a good hire based on what they're looking to do, which is development. Um, you mentioned he's with the German youth national team as well as um, some of the teams in the Bundesliga with kind of the youth side of things. So he's not vastly experienced in like competing to win matches perhaps, but uh, the team, if they're looking to develop players for LAFC, I think is a good hire. All right. Where do you think Las Vegas ends up in the 2021 season in the Pacific? Probably last. If, <laughs> to, be, to be honest with you, <laughs> I, I, I just, there's so much, like you mentioned uncertainty right off the bat and that's, there's just who knows they could you see sometimes where these teams have players come down from the official first team and they play well other times they don't so uh, it's really a crapshoot which pun intended with Vegas but um, yeah it, I would not expect them to be competing for a division title or for a championship all right any final thoughts about Las Vegas anything that you have random thoughts that you'd like to leave us with no, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I was just mentioning to my wife today, I think fans are very intrigued and also a bit frustrated that it doesn't seem to be their team anymore. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see once matches are happening and matches are happening in downtown Vegas, if uh, fans actually show up, if the support's the same, because the support's been pretty good, even though the team hasn't been very good. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be It'll be interesting to see what happens. And obviously they get the, the Gold Cup announcement today that Vegas will host the Gold Cup this summer. So going to be a summer summer of soccer here in Vegas, whether, whether the fans like it or not. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, Carson. I look forward uh, to catching a game down in uh, Vegas this upcoming season. Uh, not too bad of a drive, like what, only seven hours from up here in Reno? Yeah, that's, that's nothing. Yeah, short commute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So – Take care and look forward to talking to you as the season moves on. Absolutely. All righty. So who do we have next for me? 
And here is our next guest, Miss Alicia Rodriguez, multi-time guest of the year for Orange and Black Soccer <laughs> Cast. I know I have to throw that at you. Um, from LA Galaxy Confidential, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm not bad myself. Thank you very much. So, I guess my first question for you uh, is, last year you guys showed up big time in the league, you know, making playoffs, coming up here to Reno, unfortunately not the best game. Um, but LA Galaxy 2 often has kind of a, what's the word I'm looking for, either a really talented team or a team that's dysfunctional, usually because you guys are a uh, younger group down there. What do you think we're getting for 2021? Yeah, that's the big question. I mean, you just never know uh, with an MLS 2 team if if they're going to be uh, really competitive in the USL championship or if it's going to be tough sledding. And honestly, year to year, you just never know. I mean, I, I think that Galaxy 2 are probably in a pretty good spot coming into the season. They're likely to, um, in addition to having a core of players who were on the team last year, they'll probably have some uh, guys coming down from the Galaxy first team to help out, including some players who have experience with the team already. Um, so that should help. But, you know, it's a wild card. Like you just it's hard to say. And uh, if I were to, you know, be really confident in in trying to predict what's going to happen, um, you know, that's that's a, that's a pretty tough uh, spot to be in. So um, I, I think there's reason for optimism, but I wouldn't necessarily say yeah, uh, bet your house on a, a playoff berth for, you know, especially in this division. Yeah, no, this division's looking extremely tough this year. A lot of really good teams uh, in the Pacific. So one of the things that LA Galaxy 2 has always been good at is producing some talent that uh, that moves on to the next level or even abroad. Uh, one name that comes to mind immediately is uh, Efrain, uh Alvarez. Um, who's moved up, I believe, to Galaxy 1. Um, but what is the next name to come from Los Dos in the USL? Who's the next person that you guys have your spotlight on down there? You mean a player who's going to be playing for the MLS team or a player who's uh, going to be playing in USL this year? Uh, just who from the USL side this year are you looking at to potentially after the 2021 season to move on to either an MLS contract or abroad, you know, the next big name coming from Los Dos. Sure. Um, there's three uh, Mexico youth uh, national team players. Um, I believe they're all California natives. Um, so it's not like there's a cultural acclimation process or having to worry about, you know, moving over to a new country or anything like that. Um, Alex Alcala, Miguel Avalos and Axel Picasso, um, they are all really highly touted prospects. So at the very least, they're going to get um, interest from League MX teams uh, in the future if they don't stick around with the Galaxy, obviously if they perform. But I know in the case of uh, Alex Alcala, he seems to have some sort of pre-agreement with Manchester City. So, I mean, that's kind of the level that we're talking about for these guys. It seems like the Galaxy uh, have tried to stockpile some of these uh, prospects. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how they perform. I think the team's really excited about them. And, you know, we've seen that the the Galaxy 2 plays the play, you know, the young players, like they're not afraid to play young guys. So I expect to see a lot of guys getting minutes, including them and and um, plenty of opportunities for them to, to get some uh, playing time. All right. So I, I normally would keep the questions beyond Orange County for a segment like this, but I'm truly curious. Uh, 
Orange County this year signed uh, Abraham Romero, goalkeeper for Los Dos last season. Um, I just want to know what Orange County is getting in terms of uh, Mr. Romero. Yeah, I thought he had a really good season last year uh, for Los Dos. Um, he started just about every game. I think that getting a regular run of games was was good for him. I'm guessing with Orange County, he's probably going to be rotating uh, as a starter, which is fine. That's what they've been doing, you know, the last couple seasons. But aside from the playoff game against uh, Reno, uh, Romero had one or two uh, pretty big mistakes. I think that was probably a young team. You know, the the pressure was kind of up, and I think that. You know, they, they just had a bad night, really. Um, otherwise, I think he had a really good season. He's pretty aggressive. I think that's good for, for a player of his age and, um, you know, for the level. Like, if you have a pretty decent team and you have an aggressive goalkeeper, um, that can stop, you know, some goals from coming in and, and, and really help your team. So uh, I think it's a good pickup for Orange County. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot of promise behind uh, Romero's game. All righty. Well, I'll leave the floor to you. Any final thoughts? Where do you think Los Dos is going to be placing? Are they a top four, bottom four? Any more specific on that? Again, it's hard for me to say. I mean, I really think this this division is going to be difficult. Um, it's pretty similar to the dynamic we saw last season, um, you know, with kind of the Southern California, you know, Southwest uh, di- division, but there's also going to be Sacramento in there and you know they're not a bad team either so I I think that's going to make it a little bit tougher too um I would say I think there's a great chance they'll they'll be a playoff team but again you know I'm not gonna stake any real claims on uh, MLS two teams but I I do think that um they're poised to have another decent season on paper and I look forward to seeing them play I had a lot of fun watching them play last year um much more fun overall than the Galaxy first team in MLS that's for sure all right. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Alicia. Look forward to hearing from you over the 2021 USL season. Uh, where can anybody who's listening to us find you? I know that I did not do that for Carson, to which I apologize. <laughs> um, this is really my first time hosting a podcast in a long time. But where can we find you on the Twitterverse or listen to you elsewhere? Well, you should definitely follow Carson, that's for sure. But um, my coverage on LA Galaxy 2 is on lagconfidential.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Soccer Musings, where you'll find all of the various uh, teams and coverage that I uh, I do these days. All right. And I do apologize to Carson. Uh, I've been informed that his Twitter handle is at Carson A. Merck, spelled uh, M-E-R-K. All right. Well, thank you very much. And let's move on to our next guest of the day. Our next guest of the day needs no introduction because you hear him every single week on Orange and Black Soccer Cast. He is the one, the only, Alan Underwood. Alan, I hear for you from you all the time. How are you doing today? Great. It's rude that you made me follow Alicia because she is a, a an amazing uh, sports writer and covers the league really well, uh, both this league and MLS. So I had to follow that. So. We're gonna go. We're gonna go downhill real quick. Oh, don't don't be so down on yourself on that one. Um, to be fair, I actually did not create the schedule. You can blame other people in the soccer verse for that. Um, but are you ready for your questions? Uh, as ready as I'm gonna be. All right. So, San Diego joined last season with some big name signings, right? Um, this year they added a bunch of more huge names. 
who are the players you're looking forward to that are new to San Diego coming into the 2021 season? Ooh, um, I think Thomas Van Kinsley, uh, TV or, uh, Van Casey. Uh, I think he's going to be an important piece on that back line. Um, he's gonna, he's like two time defender, uh, first team, I think second team. Um, I think he's going to be an important piece to take a look at. Uh, Trey Muse on loan from Seattle is going to be another interesting piece. Um, replaces another loanee from last year in John Kempen. He was a kind of fan favorite and a phenomenal goalkeeper. Uh, so he is going to be a, a piece to um, question. Um, yeah, uh, TV kind of replaces that Joe Greenspan guy uh, from last year. Uh, hopefully he'll last more than a game. Uh, that was kind of a big loss. Uh, that they were able to fill in with a young kid named Grant Stoneman. Uh, the other ones that are going to be kind of interesting is can Jack Blake re, uh, can he find his form from 2019 when he won the cup with USL? Uh, and then obviously uh, Corey Herzog and Nikki Jackson up top uh, uh, is going to be, I think they're going to probably going to be end up being paired together. And that's going to be an interesting. Um, how do you get all these folks on, on the pitch? at one time. And I think that partnership is going to be an interesting one to watch to see how they build together. I mean, that's not a bad problem to have. If you're asking, how can you, you know, fill the pitch with so many talented players? No, but you also have that, that question mark in your brain of, can they put it all together with these new pieces? Um, you know, you see these great teams with great names, uh, may not always be the most successful as a cohesive unit. And that's going to be the big question mark is can Loyal in their second season find the form from the end of the first season uh, where things really kind of clicked and the players knew where they were supposed to play and how it all worked and they end up kind of finishing the 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 season on fire. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's a there's some question marks there as far as putting all these pieces together. But I think the fan base is really excited to see uh, some old faces return um, with, and fit in with these new guys. Perfect. So my next question for you is, as you were saying, Orange County, or Orange County San Diego finished on a really good upswing towards the end of the season. Uh, things were starting to come together. However, they still finished their inaugural campaign fourth in the uh, Group B out of five teams. Um, what needs to be improved upon in order for them to have a successful 2021 campaign? Um, there not to be racism and homophobia on the pitch. Uh, that's step one. Um, but I think the biggest thing was when you look at kind of Loyal's first season, it's the month of August last year. I think they scored one goal in five games. Um, and in a shortened season, that's just not going to get it done. Um, Loyal looks like they're, they should be in the hunt for the playoffs, but in a, a division with essentially five playoff teams, uh, and, and Oakland is a question mark. Um, you know, they're, it's going to be a, a hard fight to get it done, but I think when it boils down to it, they're going to be really solid defensively. Um, and it's going to be, can the, uh, attacking third, uh, pull it, pull it together like they did at the end of the season and score some goals. Cause they're not going to be able to survive on a one nil victory in the Pacific. Um, your Phoenix is going to score goals. Orange County is probably going to score goals. Uh, El Los Dos is going to score goals. It's going to be, can you keep them less than one? And can you score multiple goals? Perfect. Um, 
my last question for you actually leaves the soccer pitch completely um, because San Diego Loyal is a beloved team in the community, uh, very much active in the community. In their inaugural season, they played almost entirely behind closed doors. You know, COVID was a thing. We kind of tend to not like to talk about it. Um, but how does the team continue to impact the com- community, even though they necessarily can't be there in person? And what makes them so beloved in the season or as a team? Um, I think a couple of things is they they really listened to the community when they came together. Um, they did a really good job of trying to reach out and get as much feedback as possible. Um, I, I think they're, you're going to see them make some strides with uh, some of the content they're producing uh, for Spanish, the Spanish speaking community. And I think that's a huge deal in the, um, in San Diego and that cross border relationship that San Diego has with, uh, with Tijuana. And I, I think they're going to make some strides. And if not, you're definitely going to see some people uh, calling the team out. And I think that's part of that relationship they built is uh, when things aren't done correctly, people are, feel free uh, to speak out about it and kind of have that conversation uh, and let the team know, hey, we're not super happy with how that went. And the team has been very responsive to the community as well with that feedback. Um, obviously, Uh, What they did and the things that they stood for uh, last year, they raised tons of money for Rady Children's Hospital last year um, during even during the lockdown. uh, They I I think that um, they stood up for the right things for their players. And I think that's what makes them kind of beloved is that they're they walk the walk and they're not be afraid to uh, be called out when they don't. All right. Thank you for that, Alan. Where can we find you on the Twitter sphere and elsewhere? Uh, you can find me at A Underwood forty eight on the Twitter machines. All right. Thank yeah. you very much. I'll talk to you later, Alan. All right. So next up, we have the returning Group B and Western Conference as a whole champion. We have Jake Anderson from the Uprising Pod. Jake, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. How are you doing, man? Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for joining us. So, um, and I'm doing well too. Thank you. Um, so my first question for you is kind of the whole Junior Flemings. Uh, I'm not going to discuss anything about what he's done in the past. You know, that's in the past. But he moved on to, I believe it was Birmingham, correct? Yeah, Birmingham Legion, yes. Mm-hmm. So obviously Junior Flemings was one of the, if not the biggest producer for Phoenix over the past couple seasons. Um and that's a big hole to fill. Who replaces him in 2021? So in terms of literally in the lineup, it's going to be Santi Moar, formerly of New Mexico United. Um, but yes, as you said, it, it's going to be big shoes to fill. I mean, he was the leading goal scorer even after his suspension. He was still the golden boot winner. So now you're going to have to find some goal scores. And you do have the reigning MVP again and and Solomon Asante and, and Rufat Dadashov, they're going to have to step up and, and replace those goals because, let's face it, I mean, when you lose your number one goal scorer, like, that's those are points that are going to be gone. So you, And it's actually been kind of a thing this preseason. It's been uh, lacking of goal scoring. Awesome. Um, so I guess moving on, you mentioned some names that were familiar to Phoenix Rising. I want you to talk about the new guys, the players that are just coming in. You have – 
a bunch of big signings. You have Aiden Quinn from Orange County, uh, Billingsley from Minnesota United on loan. You have a uh, goalie, Andre Rawls, coming in from Colorado. Um, who else is coming to Phoenix this year? And what can we expect to see out of them? Are they going to get playing time, or is it going to be kind of a contested field for for a lot of to- uh, scoring for a lot of these players? So I'd add a... Jeremy Kelly and uh, James Musa to that list as well. Jeremy Kelly came in from Colorado on loan as well. James Musa is actually a signing, but he's coming over from Minnesota. Um, and then Declan Wynn, um, he hasn't actually played in, since 2019 because of injury and then COVID. He wasn't able to get back. He's coming from Colorado as well. So you got to got a lot of guys who are formerly playing last their last seasons in MLS. Um, so there's a lot of competition in that itself, I would say. That with Rawls, a similar situation, he played um, all 90 of the last preseason match. Um, he looked really good. They only allowed one goal in the last two matches. Uh, both uh, One was against RSL. So the newer guys that are going to be playing, Aiden Quinn is 100% going to be the number eight. He's going to be a pivotal part of this team, you can tell from the get-go. Um, James Musa, as I said, he'll be starting for sure. Um, those two you can guarantee. And then Noah Bellingsley. He's just really impressive. He's just a statue, He's and he's fast, and he can work really well with Solomon Asante. So it's going to be exciting to see the new guys, how they fit in. Awesome. So before I move on to my next question, is Zach Lubin still with the team? He is. He is. He he got sick um, the last couple of weeks, and he hasn't really been able to uh, to go. Um, and then they had a, a false positive uh, COVID test, and they – had to basically miss out on a preseason game with Seattle Sounders. So that would have been a game that he would have started in presumably. So it's just kind of one of those things. So is there going to be a goalkeeper competition between the two of them or is Zach Lubin still the guy in Phoenix? I mean, I'm starting to get the sense there definitely is. Um, but that's kind of a thing Rick Schantz loves to do. He loves to have, you know, quote unquote, too deep at every position to where everyone's literally battling. And, you know, you might not be starting this day. You might not be starting that day just based on how you are in training. So, uh, it'll be interesting, but uh, yeah, Zach Lubin versus Andre Rawls, I think, is going to be uh, who's going to be starting now. All right, and my last question for you focuses on your schedule this season. So, Phoenix is traveling multiple times east this season. First to Tampa Bay, and then a couple weeks later to Charlotte. Um, what are your thoughts on Phoenix's schedule? Is that a advantage of moving to play East conference teams, or is that kind of a hindrance because of the travel back and forth that not many other teams are doing this season? It's interesting because it's kind of right off the bat. It's not like it's going to be a, something that they have to dread later on in the season. It's going to be right away. The, the Tampa trip I think is going to be something that's special for a lot of the guys, especially if they were on the team last year, obviously with how the year ended with that being the final and them actually being there and training on the field and, and to be, you know, the day before the match, uh, it gets canceled. So that'll be interesting with Tampa. That'll be just a fun game to actually see get played in that stadium at Lang Stadium. And then the the weird part, I think, is uh, after one of those, I believe it's, yeah, it's they're, they're coming from uh, Oakland. And I think after the um, Charlotte trip, they also go to Oakland. And it's kind of like you're going on the extreme ends of travel, if you know the They'll most likely come back to to Arizona. So I, I don't know. It's uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, and being in the Open Cup, hopefully, uh, if they can make a run too, you'll have even more games there. So that's just going to have possibly at least 33 games. Um, 
uh, excuse me, 35 games. So it'll uh, it's going to be a jam-packed year this year, even more than last year was. Well, I mean, last year we only had, what, half the games that we were supposed to have of the season. So mm-hmm. I'll leave you any final thoughts where Phoenix is going to end up in the, uh, in the, I guess, standings this season. Are they finishing top of the group again? I mean, they're going to be disappointed with themselves if they if they don't. That's kind of where they've set themselves. This is this is who they are. They're the best in the West. Um, but I mean, seeing the what San Diego has done this off season, seeing what OC, I think, I think Adam John is going to be a, a big addition uh, for OC, and and I, and I think that's something that is going to be really fun when those two clubs play. Uh, San Diego, obviously, there's, I guess you know, there's bad blood, there's bad history, um, but obviously. You know, we've, we've, we've all moved past that. Um, but to see the rivalry between those two, because let's face it, San Diego's had Phoenix's number the last couple of games. So it's uh, it's not like they can't be beat. So it's it's going to be it's going to be a, a bloodbath for West, I think. Awesome. So where can we find you on the Twitterverse or elsewhere in the world? Where can we where can we listen to and read about Jake Anderson? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram at JWA1994 and then at ArizonaSports.com. All right. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. Thank you so much for having me, guys. All right. So next up we have from the lovely – I disagree with that statement. From the lovely city of Sacramento right over the mountain pass from me, uh, take Highway 80, and you'll land right next to Scott. Scott, how are you doing tonight? You know I had to throw you that little uh, bit of a you know, diss. You know, look, Sacramento is a great city. It's underrated. I. It's fine. Okay. Are there better places to go? Sure. But it is lovely in my personal opinion. I I don't disagree with you. I actually have family in the Bay Area. So driving through Sacramento can be can be fun at times, you know, if there isn't any major traffic at the 8050 exchange. Oh, oh, I know. Um, However, getting into my first question from you. So Sacramento is just about as consistent as any team in the USL, usually having a, a consistently unchanged roster from year to year. You know, you guys are good at that. Uh, what, if anything, has changed for Sacramento from 2020 to 21? Okay, well, where do I begin? Uh, there, was a, there was a big uh, excitement around Major League Soccer, and I think you saw that uh, both with fans, with stadium uh, renderings, with all that goes um, with, with all of that, but mostly, honestly, with uh, the roster construction. There were um, not a lot of older players. Nobody really brought in uh, 28, 29, 30. None of those guys were really brought in. Um, we went significantly younger and really gave um, – uh, our academy guys an actual run out for a change but now with major league soccer again kind of looming in the distance possibly coming we, we just don't know we're still waiting again for that big whale billionaire um it'll be interesting to see how now uh sacramento changes focus it feels like the whole club is kind of once again in flux with the president leaving and general manager taking uh, not only his general manager role, but also now taking on the president's role. So um, a lot has changed and I think a lot is going to continue to change. Awesome. So just sticking to the soccer field for right now to the pitch, uh, where is Sacramento strong this season? Who's coming in? Um, What, and where does Sacramento need its improvements right now? So Sacramento's strength is going to be its defense. Hayden Sargis, uh, 18-year-old center back, came from their academy, was actually their 
best defender last year, which was it's kind of shocking to say. He led the team in uh, minutes played throughout the regular season. And unfortunately, he had to be the rock in the back. Well, this year, I don't think he's going to have to be the rock in the back. We've upgraded at left back with Duke Rukaw, upgraded at center back, bringing back Mitchell Tainer from San Antonio. We still have Jordan McCray on the left. So uh, everyone is going to be solid, and I think that's going to allow Hayden to take a step forward. Other than that, the, every other position that we've brought in has been a big upgrade with the exception of maybe the right wing. Tucker Bone is good, but I don't know if he's going to bring many game-winning moments that you want from a winger. He'll do some good things, but mm, honestly, from what I remember watching him when he was with Reno, he can quite frequently be lost in the game and not find the ball. So I think right wing is probably the weak spot. However... Again, back to the academy, there are a couple guys, uh, a 15-year-old who's now actually just turned 16, and an 18-, 19-year-old that could find minutes on the right wing. So maybe there's something there. Awesome, awesome. So now I will kind of move the discussion back to that whole MLS thing because um, I had a question just for that. I hate to ask it, too. <laughs> okay. Um, but with – What's going on with the MLS project? Uh, just for everybody who's kind of out of the loop, because I know it's not, it's big soccer news, but it's not necessarily widespread. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of what's been happening? Why did it happen? How's it going to impact that giant stadium proposal that you guys have for downtown that looks really cool? And what's next if Sacramento can't fulfill the requirements to join the MLS? Is there still discussion on keeping the team in the USL? Okay, well, that's a novel that I'm going to have to basically succinct down into a sentence. Um, what's going on with Major League Soccer is the uh, proposed owner to come in and buy the USL franchise from the current over owner, Kevin Nagel. That owner, uh, Ron Burkle, has backed out. He has a reputation for coming in and lowballing offers, and he's made a lot of money, billions of dollars doing that. But he couldn't lowball Major League Soccer. The price was set at $200 million, and that's what it was. So uh, when he saw rising stadium costs, which I do believe, because COVID has risen construction costs just kind of around the country. Um, so I, I do believe that there's been rising construction costs, plus um, Major League Soccer not budging on their fee. He backed out, and that leaves Sacramento once again in this gray area of looks like a city that's just straight up ready for major league soccer, but they don't have the investor. So once they get that investor, they are back into the mix. However, the team you just had on Phoenix, they're looking pretty good as well. Uh, San Diego, they're looking pretty good as well. So there's other teams in the West, Western side of this country, Southwestern side of this country that could potentially take away Sacramento's bid. And honestly, I don't think Sacramento is going to get $200 million. They're probably going to be asked to pay $300 million. That's just my personal opinion. So where they're at with Major League Soccer is who knows at this point. Um, in terms of how that affects a USL team, Kevin Nagel still owns the team. He has sunk a lot of money, especially this past year with COVID, into the team. He could have chosen, I think, just kind of from what I'm hearing, he could have chosen to lay off way more people than he did and do it way sooner than he did. And he didn't. And that's because he loves genuinely loves the city that is underrated. Okay. People in the, the comments, I see our, our little studio comment. I see you. Um, 
and he's done it with the Kings before. Um, he's doing it with Sacramento Republic now. So I think he will continue to fund the team and keep the team in Sacramento. Um, but he can only do that so for so long. At some point, this becomes a pure investment and not a passion, passion project. So hopefully we get everything resolved with Major League Soccer and resolved with um, whatever USL uh, franchise there's going to be so that we can just focus on the game itself. Awesome. So moving back to the soccer field, the pitch, where does Sacramento finish this year? You guys finished last season second in Group A, only behind my lovely Reno 1868 that no longer exists. Where do Sacramento finish this year in the Western or Pacific Division? So you opened up by saying Sacramento is a, an example of consistency, but really the example of consist- consistency they've set is getting into the playoffs and losing in the first round. Nobody wants to hear that. That's not what we want to talk about with Sacramento. That's not their narrative they want, but that's the truth. So I think for Sacramento to make the playoffs, that's, that's kind of not cutting it anymore. They need to start making a run. I think Mark Briggs has built this team better this year than they have probably ever in their past to make a deep run at the playoffs. But as I'm sure everyone else has said and is going to say throughout this season, this is a very good division. We are going to have multiple uh, multiple teams that are vying for that last spot in the playoffs. I, I think we all know who the top couple teams, maybe three teams are, Phoenix, San Diego, Orange County. And the fourth team is probably Sacramento, but I don't count out LA Galaxy too. I don't count out uh, Vegas. Who knows what LAFC is going to do with Vegas? Um, I mean, even Tacoma, they have a, a decent academy with guys coming through. So I, I want to say fourth, but I, I, I'm, I'm not counting on that. All right, well. You have your own team lower than I think I would have ever placed you. I think I would have placed you guys at the third best team in the West right now. Um, Definitely behind Phoenix and probably behind Orange County. But I think in front of San Diego, just for the reasons that Alan had said earlier, you know, kind of the consistency issues with them. We'll see if they can fix it. Um, But where can we find you on the Twitter sphere? Yeah, you can find us, uh, my myself and my other two co-hosts of the podcast at 916Republic on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, Reddit. Um, and you can email us at 916Republic at gmail.com. Um, and we also have a website, but I mean, we're on Twitter. Let's be honest. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for joining us, Scott. And now we are going to move along to Tacoma and Dave, Sounders at Heart. Dave, are you there? How are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Sorry that we're getting to you a little bit late tonight. But uh, Dave, another um, – wow, I almost just messed that up. Um, Wade Weber was just promoted to be manager of Tacoma. He was, if I'm wrong, uh, the assistant prior, right? Right. He'd been the assistant under the past two head coaches and was the Sounders' kind of latest age group uh, academy coach for a long time. So he's been in the org forever. And when Chris Little got the job over with Colorado Rapids as one of their assistant coaches, it was just kind of natural for Wade to step up and step into that that role as a, a senior leader now. It'll be interesting because uh, Wade was a, a center back back when MLS was 
um, just starting, had won a title with the Sounders in their in their USL era. Uh, so Wade is kind of from that hard nosed kind of thing. He likes rock and roll. Um, he wants center backs that go in heavy into tackles, that kind of thing. Um, not to understate his tactical acumen, but uh, kind of the attitude that he will portray is going to be a little bit different than than the past two head coaches. Awesome. So, is he the right guy for the position? Is he is he better than anybody else in the organization, or necessarily an outside hire for Tacoma? And uh, how will he impact the program? I know you were alluding to that a little bit with kind of the high energy that he likes to see from his uh, players. What I love about the the hire of, of Wade is one, he knows the Sounders organization and that he's been in, involved in it for essentially twenty five years um, in some capacity. So that's great. The, uh, it's an organization from top to bottom, from first team to defiance to academy that likes to connect and embrace its its history and its heritage. Um, but on the field, what I think is important is so many of this, these players played with him with the academy. They played with him as the assistant coach for the past three years with defiance um, and then Sounders too in that era. Um, so that kind of continuity for a team that, hasn't really had the kind of the the continuity that's needed to win games regularly. The continuity from a coach is going to be important because um, most of y'all know in the Pacific uh, division, at least uh, the lack of continuity for Tacoma has been one of its problems, uh, not keeping the, the types of players that perform well uh, year to year presents a challenge. So at least having that continuity and leadership and attitude uh, will be important to to see what t- Tacoma can do, particularly in the early part of the season. Awesome. So moving on to the pitch itself, um, what players excite you moving into the season for Tacoma? Um, is there something that we should be looking at in terms of the players being brought down from Seattle to Tacoma or um, is Tacoma mostly being self-operated with their own players? I, th- I think that's uh, that's an answer that unfortunately the COVID-19 pandemic is is, is going to be responsible for controlling. As we saw in 2020 throughout the USL championship, those loan downs weren't the common practice. And that really hurt Tacoma Defiance because eight of their players within a 14-month stretch signed with their MLS club with the idea that they'd bounce back and forth. Alfonso Ocampo Chavez, Justin Dillon, now with San Antonio FC, uh, Jesse Daly, who's now with Brisbane Roar in the A-League. There were a lot of players who were supposed to play on both teams, if that makes sense, like get the three minutes with Sounders and then play 60 with Defiance. And that didn't happen last year because of the different COVID protocols. And I think what we're going to discover this year, and I think Tacoma is going to be great, is uh, is kind of a, a measuring stick of that is uh, how much USL and MLS will uh, be able to, to merge those systems. Because without it, um, Tacoma isn't going to be a good team. But if Shannon Hopiao, Josh Atencio, Danny Leva, Ocampo Chavez, if, those, if that level of talent can play with Tacoma regularly, they might be able to pop into the playoffs. If not, they're going to have to get hot in that August time period when they have like six home games. And um, without that, who knows what will happen. So is that kind of the secret to Tacoma's success in 2021, um, kind of being able to reestablish that 
flow and continuity back and forth. Hopefully the league is, I guess, a little more less restrictive about uh, waiting time if they have to move back and forth between teams like they were in 2020. Yeah, otherwise Uh, Alec Diaz, who's one of the best teenage attackers in the USL championship, I think he was sixth overall in the USL for uh, goals and assists per 90. If Alec Diaz can go off, they'll have the offense, um, which would be great. Uh, Ray Serrano has taken several leaps forward, and if he has kind of a third year where he keeps making those leaps forward, he can turn into that six to 10 goal guy with six to 10 assists as well. And then things get interesting. Um, the defense should be better. Taylor Mueller is still a USL championship stud. The former Charleston battery um, player has more minutes played than any other in this league's history. Um, but really w- without the, the top notch players able to bounce down once in a while, it's up to Alec Diaz and, and Ray Serrano to, to make this team what it can be. Awesome. So my last question for you, uh, what needs to happen for Tacoma to be that contender in 2021 coming off of a 14 point and 16 game 2020 season? Uh, besides T2 coming back, because that's basically what Tacoma was able to get all their points from was uh, Timbers too. I, I think uh, they're going to have to steal points from uh Oakland with that step up uh, in the level, they're going to have to steal points from LAFC uh, with Vegas, basically uh, not really having a roster yet. Um, I think they have nine players under contract right now, mm-hmm. steal points there. And um, they have to hold ho- home form. Um, it, 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 Cheney stadium has to be a place that they're, they're proud to represent because on the road against Phoenix, um, that's going to be too much of a challenge right now. And it, 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 it just is. Uh, San Diego, they might be able to have some success in. Orange County uh, has an offense that that's potent. So for me, it's uh, those players like Serrano and, and Diaz coming together. But it's also really about demeanor and understanding that um, winning is a culture. Uh, and if, it's, if you're winning trophies in the academy and you're winning trophies at the first team, uh, you got to start doing it in the middle there. Otherwise you just have a bread sandwich and I don't really want to be a bread sandwich. I, I, I'd like to have a BLT. Give me some, give me some joy in the middle. Um, and I think that's really where defiance needs, needs to come. It's um, more about he- headspace and understanding that some of the great way to get that MLS contract. And let's be honest, most players in the championship want an MLS contract, whether they're on a, one of these deuces or not, uh, they want that MLS deal because it's more money. And to get that, eventually you got to win games for all the talent, win games, and you're going to get the better opportunities. So uh, having kind of that, that attitude where they're not willing to, to accept the struggle, uh, I want to see that early. Awesome. So where can we find you on the Twitter sphere, listen to you, follow you anywhere? Um, the best place uh, to read my soccer thoughts is at sounderheart.com. I'll be on the ESPN broadcasts uh, for Tacoma for the home games this year as well. You can find me at some of their writing. It'll be limited this year. The pandemic kind of ended my regular writing gig with them. Uh, And then you can follow me on Twitter at better than that's B D I R T H A N. And uh, as these guys that have followed me regularly know, it is a mishmash of D&D and Pacific Northwest love. And sometimes now that the soccer season has started up, it's going to be a lot more soccer. Uh, 
but yeah, it's, it's kind of an esoteric little thing and you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. All right. Thank you very much for coming on tonight. Um, looking forward to hearing you on the ESPN broadcast. And that brings us to the ultimate homer of all homers. Um, I got some schmuck joining us who likes books, I guess. Um, I don't know. We couldn't find anybody better to preview Orange County. Uh, Dylan, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well. I'm, I'm glad to be here as always. And um, always also glad to chat about Orange County soccer. Awesome. So obviously we talk about a lot of Orange County on our show, but with this episode being a more generalized Western or Pacific Division preview, um, for those people who are not Orange County fans listening to us to hear about all the other teams from from the experts, you are our expert tonight. What can you say about Orange County to everybody else that isn't an Orange County follower? I think they're going to score goals this year. Um, maybe that was clearly the missing link in 2020 was actually being able to score multiple goals a game, lots of goals or lots of games that were, um, two, one, one, nil, one, one, two, two, uh, three, two, something like that. I think this year with the amount of attacking, um, goal scoring players they brought in, that's not going to be an issue. Um, but it does leave some questions elsewhere because of that. So. Who knows what are those, those questions are. elsewhere? Well, um, if you're not super aware, Orange County does have a partnership with the Rangers FC in Scotland. Um, so that does usually mean they send a few players here. Um, but it also means that occasional players go the other way. Um, in that case, that was our goalkeeper, Aaron Cervantes. Um, truly like an Orange County player signed when he was 15. Uh, last year was his third season and ended up with a winter transfer. Um, to the Rangers Academy. So losing him will be a, that'll be a loss for the club. Um, that'll be, that would have been, this would have been his fourth year here on the team. Um, he knows the players in front of him. The players in front of him know him well. Same thing with losing Frederick Du, another one of our goalkeepers, um, a little bit older, uh, European, very commanding, very big presence at the back. And losing that is going to be a bit interesting. Um, but a similar idea where we've got a European established veteran goalkeeper and then we've got a, a younger um, USL quality goalkeeper um, and Abraham Romero, uh, who we took from Los Dos. So it's exciting, but it's it's also a little bit chaotic. Um, I think the club is really trying to ride two rails at the moment. One of those is win a championship. And the other one of those is develop a bunch of youth players and sell them on and make money um, and, and sustain the club in that way in an actual sustainable um, format. I think both are really noble causes. Uh, and I think this year, it's just a little bit weird as to which one should take precedent. Um, because not a lot of clubs right now, Europe uh, or nationally, are buying clubs. Money is really tight. Um, and that's true if you're at the USL level, MLS. Um, they're probably hurting a little bit less than most clubs just by the structure of the league um, all the way out to Europe. Um, every club this year is, is going to take a loss um, just like they did last year. Alrighty. So you talked a lot about goalies in Orange County, and I have one more name that needs replacing that I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. That man himself is Aiden Quinn. Who replaces his production 
heading into the 2021 campaign on Orange County? Is it someone new, someone someone returning? Who is it? It's going to be someone new. Um, and it's going to be Chris Wien, I think. Maybe a little bit of Tommy McCabe as well, who was signed um, or signed on a free after being released by Cincinnati in the winter. It's going to be those two. It's it's not going to be Seth Kasipley. Um, he's a great, as you're well aware, as a as a Reno fan. Um, rest in peace, Reno. Um, he's a great, great player, but it's ultimately not his role. I I don't think he's really the one that should be uh, tasked with that. I think he's really the one that should be supporting that as much as possible. Um, so between Chris Wien and Tommy McCabe, they're going to have to to fill in for arguably and in my very biased opinion, the best six in the league, um, the best playmaker in the league. So it's uh, it'll be a big task for them. Um, but I think they should have a little bit of freedom with not with knowing they don't need to necessarily chip in with goals. If they chip in with five assists each, that's great because there are other, you know, we've got fullbacks that can chip in with a couple assists. Um, so just getting getting the ball to those those forwards is is kind of where their job begins and ends. Um, and I have to say, without having Aiden Quinn, it's a big loss, obviously. And he's one of the leading um, players when it comes to like minutes in this league, um, assists, passes, key passes, all these attacking metrics that you look at a at a midfielder and go, oh, like you want this, you you need this man on your team to be successful. Not having him. Um, does, I think, create a little bit of freedom for Orange County to play uh, in the middle. Um, and that kind of newfound um, flexibility, like formation freedom, if you will, um, will probably do some wonders for Orange County with the attacking talent that they have and the odd condensed season that they do. Because I think October is a seven-game span for Orange County, um, and that's a lot of matches to play in four weeks so being able to tinker with the formation there and rotate cleanly will be will be key um it's it's really sink or swim in that regard awesome so my last question for you um orange county finished third in group b in the 2020 campaign um we've kind of touched on it a bit more but what else needs to be changed for orange county in order to make playoffs in a very competitive uh pacific division this year the club addressed it by signing a lot of goal scorers, and I have to think that's the right answer as well. Um, the back four were pretty solid, and we we picked up Brent Richards again, also from Reno, and he's a he is a gem of a fullback. So that's a big pickup for us. Um, in addition to to Nathan Smith and um, Kevin Alston, like those are three quality fullbacks on the team. But I think ultimately it's getting this team to fire very quickly. Um, it's maybe playing a little bit automatically. And if that means that it's a little bit boring in the sense that they're going to kind of do the same attack over and over again, um, if it's effective, then why not? Um, because we saw it in 2017, things started to not go well, and that was not in a condensed season. Um, things went really poorly in 2017. Um, there were some clicks and that could be an issue with the amount of, um, new guys that are here on the team and just the kind of a separation between established Europeans and these up and coming American kids. Um, so if, 
if they can fire uh, quickly and they can keep that momentum um, without going on like a big slide of losing like two or three in a row, um, I think they'll be okay. All right. Where does Orange County finish in the 2021 campaign in the Pacific Division? Second, um, and I'm sure I'm going to get some criticism for not believing they can finish first, but uh, well, we did just lose Aiden Quinn. So uh, I think you have to still look at Phoenix and go, they're going to be good. Um, look at the players they've got. And I think look at almost what everyone else is saying. They are the team to beat in the league. Um, everyone expects them to be in the final again at the end of this year. So I think second is a, is a good place to shoot for because you are still in the playoffs and you can still win a championship. <laughs> All right. Where can we find you on the Twitter sphere? Um, says on over there in the corner, uh, you can find me on Twitter at OCSC underscore Dylan. All right. Well, thank you very much, Dylan. It's nice to hear your voice, even if it was for such a brief time this episode. Um, we weren't able to get someone officially to represent Oakland tonight. However, I'm asking both Alan and Ray to join us, you know, get to hear Ray's voice talking about uh, some Oakland. So, Ray... Who are some players from Oakland that we are looking forward to facing in the 2021 season? The one player that is... Yeah, that guy. Alan, bail him out. Who are we looking forward to? Uh, Well, they have signed some pretty good players this season with Tyler Blackwood and Wallfall coming over from St. Louis, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Tarek Morad was a fan favorite in San Diego last year for how he stood up for Colin Martin. Um, so they're going to be a pretty decent team. Uh, stepping up from Nisa is going to be a little bit of a problem, but um, they've brought in some pretty good talent and they're going to be a competitive team. All right. Well, I'm sorry for calling you Alan Jasper. Uh, you are very dapper tonight, let me tell you. Um, for those well, of you listening you. to our um, to that are our, watching that are watching to, our live stream, yeah, that's the live stream. I'm talking about those that are listening online later. Uh, I'm actually speaking to Alan's dog Jasper tonight, uh, who is telling us all about Oakland. Uh, for some reason, we don't have Jasper's Twitter handle in the corner. I'm not taking the blame for that one. Um, what else should we know about Oakland Roots uh, this year, other than that they are coming from Nisa? I, I see a hand. Dylan, I think Dylan, Dylan wants to say something. Ben, I, and you're going to have to help me out with this last name because I'm not certain, but Bowery? Yes, sir. Ben Bowery, coming from Reno. Um, not going to lie, when Reno signed him last year, I was like, who's this guy? Like, he's not going to play. Um, because like, look at what, I mean, look what San Jose does to Reno or did to Reno every year. Um, and the quality that they put out and then Ben Bowery was just, um, good, like consistently good in, on the best team in the regular season. And granted you guys played in an easier, um, division. So I think he's going to get really tested this year, but I think he showed last year that he can, um, amidst craziness, do a really good job. For a for a top level um, USL team, so I think him, and as Alan mentioned, Wall Fall, and uh, Tyler Blackwood, like those are the three main guys I think for Oakland, and they could do something special even if it's just those three guys. Awesome. 
Uh, anybody else have anything quickly to say about Oakland? I know that we are coming up on our hour mark very rapidly. Oh, we're, I, I think we're, oh yeah, we're close to our hour mark. We got started a little late today, but yeah. Um, I'm excited to see Oakland in the league. It's a, it's a great, uh, road trip for most of us here. I think, I, I think Alan, you're the furthest away from Oakland, uh, when it comes to a drive, but Hey, jump on the Southwest flight up to Oakland. You probably got direct flights from San Diego, direct flights from Orange County, even probably direct flights from Reno. Uh, oh, to I'm get... driving now. That's too short to, to fly. <laughs> but it's an option, right? So it's awesome to uh, to see that, and it's gonna be it's gonna be really cool um, to see that team in the league and see how that works out. Um, so I'm excited about that. But I, I have no ideas of what to expect from Oakland and. Uh, let me just put it out there. I reached out to try and find someone to come and represent Oakland on this episode. And I was unsuccessful. I reached out to the team. They didn't, they, they gave me one reference, which did not get back to me and also just tweeted it out and no one got back to me. That's how we found, um, Dave up there in Tacoma, uh, based off the tweet that I sent out on our Twitter account. So, uh, unfortunately no official representation for Oakland, but, Looking forward to that team in this league. Awesome, awesome. So, Ray, I'll hand the reins back over to you. This is your show once again. This is all of our show. But I do have one thing really quick for you. Uh, this sort of discussion came up after you were speaking uh, with Dave, I believe. Uh, he was talking about a BLT and about a bread sandwich. So we got to ask... Is a bread sandwich a sandwich, Brad? Man, you know, my roommates actually had a similar conversation yesterday to where the question was, is a ravioli a sandwich? And I think the argument – oh, man. Yeah, your reaction says that. Uh, the argument is, can it be easily taken apart with something in the middle? Um and it depends. If you butter the bread and put the butter on the inside, I would call that a sandwich. However, that's just a loaf of bread, in my opinion, or two pieces of a loaf of bread. Wait, so you uh, just you just made an argument for both sides that it is a sandwich, but it's just a loaf of bread. I'm just neutral today. I'm copping out today. <laughs> you got you got Dylan covering his face. He does not know how to respond to that response. Dylan, your thoughts is a bread sandwich a sandwich? If you have two slices of bread with a slice of bread in the middle, is that a sandwich? The only way I think you could consider that a sandwich is if it was a different type of bread in the middle. So like but two slices of sourdough with a slice of rye in the middle would then be considered a sandwich to you. I could understand that being the argument, but no, it's just bread. <laughs> Alan. It's thing. Like I don't even care if it's like matzo bread in the middle. It's It does not matter. What are your it's thoughts, Alan? Bread. Just Alan's not responding. People. Alan's He's not a... responding. He's I'll, I'll just, I'll just answer for people. Alan in the typical Alan fashion and give the uh, Google dictionary definition of a sandwich. It is an item of food consisting of two pieces of bread with meat, cheese, and or other filling between them eaten as a light meal. There's the so, or. There's the so, or. You know what? Based on that definition, I will take a hard side. If you have three pieces of bread together and can easily take it apart and remove part of that, I would say that is a sandwich. 
It is the world's weirdest and worst sandwich, but a sandwich nonetheless. And I will say this for anyone, because we have what eight, uh, seven other teams that uh, of fans that potentially never listen to us that are listening to us for the first time. And this is how we're wrapping up our episode. This is the type of discussion you can hear almost every episode on our show when we get to the very end, because we're True. either a just exhausted from a long day, b inebriated with some alcohol, or c just crazy with what we want to talk about alan you finally so want to I, talk if i go to the store i'm not buying a loaf of bread i'm buying a bag of bread sandwiches <laughs> well uh, i have a follow-up question is it is it a slice because of all of that is is a slice and then another slice and the slice in between i'm buying bread i'm buying a bag of bread sandwiches but per dylan no 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 that is how i'm referring to it for the rest of my entire life we do not need a loaf of bread we need a bag of bread sandwiches <laughs> that is that. how we're, that yep i dare That's you it. alan next time you go to trader joe's or wherever you go shopping at I want you to go ask the worker, where can I get a bag of Excuse bread me. sandwiches? Where are your and make sure, make sure you are recording that on your cell phone so you can share it with our listeners on our podcast to see how that ended up. But make sure you get consent from the, the worker that, you, uh, that you're recording it. <laughs> He's over us already. Oh, booty shot there. Um, I have a question <laughs> for you, um, Brad. And Ray, I guess. And if you're listening, you can tweet at us and, and let us know your thoughts. But because it has to be, quote unquote, easily removed, if it is a sandwich that is bread, glue, and bread. Like and literal no longer, glue. And it is, yeah, and it is no longer easy to separate. Does that make it not a sandwich? Is is the glue the only filling you're putting in the sandwich? In this, Yes. Because <laughs> because the definition I read says it must be a item of food. I do not know anybody over the age of toddler that eats glue. Well, oh, you're saying their toddler's thoughts don't don't matter now. Like it. So is, is does it count or not? Mr. I can tell Alan. No, I can tell Alan's already over this. Once you glue the two pieces of bread together, it's now it's one, one piece of bread. Piece of bread. <laughs> Therefore, it's not a sandwich. It's just a piece Al of bread. Alan wins. As you can tell, the brains of this podcast are right here. <laughs> All right. Well, we need to wrap things up because this has been a very fun uh, episode of this podcast. Mm. Let me just say this really quick. I want to say thanks to all each and every one of our guests that joined us tonight. Um, I was so stressed out heading into this episode because we were working on getting seven people timed out to join us for this episode. And I can literally say this. I spoke to multiple people saying, I hope there are no issues heading into any of our guests joining the podcast. And lo and behold, every single guest we had joined, they joined ahead of time, except for maybe Carson. He joined right when he was ready to come on. But he had been on here before, so I think he was ready for it. But everyone jumped on a little bit early, was ready to uh, speak or talk about their teams. And, and Brad, let me give props to you because I sort of just threw this to Brad and say, hey, Brad, by the way, you're going to host this episode, even though you've only been with us for a month or two at the most. Um, and the reason behind that is, if you didn't know, I was behind the scenes uh, controlling the camera, the, the, the graphics responding on Twitter, tweeting out to everyone, hey, so-and-so is joining next. I was trying to do my best with that. So it was definitely a team effort, and I appreciate Dylan 
and Alan also for sort of hanging out the whole episode and just waiting for their turns and then hanging out till the end to talk with us about bread sandwiches. Um, but Brad, props to you. I'm going to give you a, a quick little round of applause. Yay, Brad. Um, and again, thanks to each and every one of our guests that joined us tonight. So I'm going to call them out by name. Carson Merck from BGN. Alicia Rodriguez, two-time Orange and Black Soccer Cast Award winner from SB Nation. And specifically in this instance, uh, LAG Confidential. Um, Alan from Fairweather Pod. Uh, Jake Anderson from Uprising Podcast and also uh, some radio station out in Arizona. I don't know the call letters or the station you know, identifying numbers. Dylan knows it though. 90, 90 something, 98.7. There you go. Arizona sports. Jake, thanks for joining us. Uh, Scott up from nine, one, six Republic podcast, a part of BGN, uh, Dave Clark up at, uh, sounder at heart. And also going to be on the broadcast for Tacoma defiant defiance. So awesome. There are Dylan. It was hard work getting you on this show to preview orange County but I appreciate you joining us as well. Hopefully next year when we do something like this, we'll have someone to represent Oakland. Hopefully next around. year we have a full 16 team or 14 no, no, team no, no, or no. however many yeah. team. And we can split it hard. up into multiple That's going to be too hard. Don't put the stress on me already, Brad, that we're going to have a large <laughs> division that we're going to preview. Um, we started with a division pre B preview last year with what? Five teams. Now we move to an eight-team Pacific division. I don't know if I can handle a 16-team division. Spread it out over conference. multiple weeks. We could do that. Um, really quick, last thoughts, random thoughts from each and one of each and every one of you before we wrap this up. Uh, Brad, go for it since you did all the work. Other than being exhausted, because I talk a lot, but not as much as I do tonight. Um, you know, I had a lot of fun, you know, kind of preparing some questions, um, you know, putting on my little interviewer hat. Um, but I think it was Andy, uh, reference that I was drinking some sort of pounding an energy drink. That energy ch drink tonight is the most manly of alcohol. It is core seltzer, lemon, lime. Um, I was in the mood for something that was light, not beer related. Didn't want to, you know, go to bed with like a beer brick in my stomach and I opened up my fridge and there it was just sitting there. So just easy for me tonight. You just randomly had a core seltzer sitting in your fridge. Yeah, I bought a couple, you know, I don't remember for what occasion. But, There's uh, the story. There's the real, the true story right there. Um, I had it. Alan, you were the first one to join the episode tonight. Um, what is your random item, discussion, thought? Hey, France, let your women athletes wear hijabs. All right. <laughs> Dylan, he doesn't know what to say next. Dylan, what do you got? Hey, France, let your women wear hijabs. Um, that's not my actual echo? random thought. It's an echo going on here. He said female athletes. I just said women in general. Like, um, I don't know. Be good people. That's If you've somehow made it this far in the podcast, you're probably a pretty decent person who can put up with a lot. So like, just keep putting up with a lot. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to see everyone soon. Yes, I am excited as well. Soccer is an amazing sport. It, it brings people together. It th This episode right here shows that, right? We brought eight 
people together that represent and support different teams across the USL championship. And they were willing to come on and speak with Brad uh, from Reno, who has no official team in his city uh, to talk about that. One last thing I want to mention is it is now a fi- uh, official. We sort of teased it last week. I've teased it on some private chats, but we will be broadcasting. We will be live streaming the game against LA galaxy Two this weekend on our YouTube channel, we will be the place that you will be able to watch Orange County versus LA Galaxy 2 on here. And I believe Dylan for sure is is scheduled to jump on to do some play-by-play. I don't know if Brad or Alan will be joining us. We will be trying to make some good camera work happening. If that makes sense. That wasn't even a good sentence. We will try to have great camera work. I know, I, I forget who mentioned, I think it was you, Alan, watching a match uh, with really poor camera work. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have multi-million dollar cameras that we can use to stream it, but we will be doing our best to stream this match with video and audio. Uh, and from what I hear, the stadium will be closed to fans. So this will be your opportunity to watch Orange County for the first time, although via stream. So we will be hosting that and putting that on our YouTube channel. Uh, potentially also our Facebook channel, but I know there are some of you that listen that do not like Facebook. So that's why we're going to YouTube as well. Dylan's one of those people. Uh, So look out for that. We will uh, share the link with everyone once we get that set up, but we will be doing it. We're doing things. We're, we're, we're streaming a preseason match for y'all to watch. So I'm excited about that Uh, for each and every one of our guests for Dylan, for Alan, and especially this episode for Brad. Thanks so much for, uh, working so hard to make this a great, I mean, you don't know what Brad did behind the scenes, setting up questions and all this stuff. He was awesome on that. Uh, I'm Ray. This is the orange and black soccer cast. And we're not even going to have a final closing song. We're just going to end things. So 